on this week's Bet the Process podcast. If you can make it all the way through, you'll get the exact longitudinal, latitudinal coordinates of where Rufus, Preston, and I will be next weekend. It's a scavenger hunt in around Vegas. Uh, in addition to that, you get to hear our year-end reviews, some bold discussions, and some bold predictions for the upcoming year. So with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast, bet the process. It's not the typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a out with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports game. Welcome to another episode, actually the year end episode of recap, year-end recap episode of the Bet the Process podcast, where Rufus and I are joined by one of our top seven favorite guests, um, Preston Johnson, um, the bearded one, as we call him, the cheetah, the crypto expert now. Uh, we're going to do some year-end kind of awards, questions, things like that. Uh, but we want to talk a little bit first about the bowl games. We're all kind of like lamenting. Before that, though, Jeff, I'm going to interrupt you. Because I'm going to say, when you say someone's oh. the top seven, that always means they're seventh. <laughs> it's just yeah. like if someone says they're six and one in their last seven games, you know that they're six and two in their last eight games. Calling me an arbitrary endpoint? Yes. Calling I'm calling Preston an arbitrary endpoint. I'm calling him. I guess you're calling Preston an endpoint. Yeah. So Preston came to um, lunch with me the other day with my kids. And they basically thought he was Santa Claus, which was this, this, this I'll interject because I wasn't kidding when I said this happens every year around this time of the year for kids that are like usually between three and five years old they'll just stare at me and, and i know exactly why they're staring so since i was being friendly with just kids i said like hey you think i look like santa claus don't you and i forget the name of of your youngest but he was like yep <laughs> just like pretty straightforward uh, plus i was wearing a red hoodie so that didn't help it was uh, a couple days before christmas i just set myself up for it do do kids ever just Try to get on your lap. No, luckily it hasn't gone that far yet. I'll, I'll try to avoid any lap something <laughs> or other okay. going forward. Do they, just, do they just say, hey, I going want forward? Do they just tell you what they want, though? They're like, I what want to really, really want. No, I think, I think they don't because they're, they're like not sure if I actually am Santa, but they like the whole lunch, he kind of would keep peeking over, like just like I could be. Like they really think there's <laughs> a chance. And so they're just kind of stupefied. If that's so they'll be on their best behavior. Yeah, he was pretty good, actually. They did well. Yeah. Um, Ruth, we were talking about uh, bowl games coming out of the air. Most recently, um, the Oregon-Oklahoma game, which had a line move what from like three to seven based on what, like no Thibodeau, no Cristobal, but I guess like Oklahoma doesn't have uh, Lincoln Riley, so – what, what what were you saying? You were sort of waxing philosophical or as philosophical as you actually get? I was saying anecdotally, it seems like these big moves due to qualitative information have been like really coming through in a big way. So you had Nevada open as a seven point favorite against Western Michigan. Carson Strong's out. Their coach is leaving and taking the whole offensive team with him, I guess, in the transfer portal. And that line 
goes up to Western Michigan minus seven. I, I, I'm not sure if it closed there or six and a half. Yeah, I think what. they had all like 11 other starters out too, just because of COVID and yeah. other things. So it was just like a complete debacle, but yeah. Oh, and, and they, they blew them out. You have Maryland that, I mean, that opened with Virginia Tech is I think a three and a half point favorite. It closed with Maryland as a three and a half point favorite um, or somewhere around that neighborhood. And Maryland blows them out. Um, you know, Oklahoma's blowing out Oregon. It just feels like every time all these qualitative things have like these big line moves have been very predictive and yeah. well, this is less than qualitative right like qualitative would be like trying to like quantify something that's unquantifiable right that's purely well, so so i i, I guess aren't playing so yes, the, qualitative, the qualitative move we don't have a way of of val of, of sort of saying whether it was actually right or not and i think that was memphis hawaii and the fact that todd graham apparently is hated by the entire program Right. So that would be to me more qualitative. This is like literally players aren't playing. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. More quantitative than qualitative to some degree. Okay. What was, what was, oh, and then Houston Auburn. I was on Auburn, unfortunately. <clears throat> I got the worst of that line move and, and Houston, you know, ends up winning also. I don't know why that moved. That was, you know, when it moved to Houston being a favorite, I was like, yep, I'm sure Auburn guys aren't playing or there's some COVID thing or something. I mean, in retrospect, the Clemson game should have felt like it could, kind of was easy, didn't it? Like, you know, you had yeah. Clemson as a situation where these guys, like, really wanted to get to 10 wins. They have all this NFL talent. None of them are opting out. They're all playing, you know. And then you have Iowa State, who's, you know, t star running back is sitting out and a few others are sitting out, right? So, again, like, hindsight's twenty twenty, but that one, like, while that game was playing out, you're like, this is, this seemed kind of obvious. Also like, to, add, to add one, on yeah, one thing, uh, I'm not sure, Rufus, if you've ever done this, but have you gone back, someone told me they did, and I've just never considered it before, but earlier this year, they said they've gone back and used their preseason priors to bet the bowl games, and that it's, like, historically significant where like like 56 57 percent range based on their preseason prior so clemson would be one where obviously you'd lay the shit out of minus one one and a half against iowa state preseason um so that's like one where it comes into play i've never actually gone back and checked but there might be something to that type of you know this team wasn't performing well, as well throughout the season but one of is doing your bracket based on like your NCA bracket based on like what the pregame and what the preseason rankings were. Right. I mean, I think the whole point here is that priors do matter late in the season. Like even, even though you've had an yeah. entire season of football, the priors still do matter. And I think a lot of people don't really realize that and think that one season gives us everything we need to know, but the level well, of but, Ru but Rufus, like, like if you have two teams in, in Hold on, Rufus. sitting out or anything, you know, of course I want the team that I want the team that is underperformed expectation um, that had the more talented guys coming in. And it's not like the entire roster is somehow going to like a, a entire roster of like two star players were all somehow fundamentally misevaluated in high school and in and, and the entire roster of three and a half and four star recruits was, you know, overvalued right it's it's i mean at some point like talent shows up on the field it's okay. like so, so i mean it's, it's like it's like golf and like you know sure I, i'll i'll fade you know two guys have the same scoring average i'll fade the guy that's the better better putter so rufus the only the only point of contention i have on this is that 
the preseason rankings are not really just priors, right? Because essentially what they're, you're doing is you're trying to anticipate what they're going to be this season, right? A lot of times when we think about how That's much what prior, a prior is, well, sure. But I guess a lot of times when I think about priors, especially in the NFL, it's towards the end of the season. How much do you, how much does like what they did last year matter to this year, right? Where you can like basically have that component taken out of the equation. And I guess it depends on how much you, you build that into your model anyway. So your point is essentially different parts of prior should have a different value at different points of the season. So the talent of, of the program yeah. should have more value late in the season and how a team did last year shouldn't. That's an interesting, that's an interesting thought and something that I, you know, I think I'll probably take a look at actually. I've noticed that with Jeff's NFL that he shares that, that they run. It's definitely more based on this season versus any priors really at all. I'm not sure if there's a certain week that you guys hit Jeff and it's basically non-determined, like you just throw it out. But um, yeah, I tend to just kind of do a certain percentage week to week as it goes. So it's always existing. Um, it gets smaller as the season progresses, but yeah, your NFL by mid season feels like it's just completely based on the first seven, eight weeks. Yeah. I'll say my, my prior, the prior weight asymptotically like approaches some number that is not zero though. You know, it's like, just cause we have an extra game this season, that's not going to change the, you know, the, the, the prior, yeah. the prior weight in game 18 is, is going to be very close to the prior weight in game 17. All right. Okay. You guys want to move into our year end stuff? Let's, Let's do it. it. All right, so we decided to do something a little bit different, and we're going to do some year-end both sort of personal betting stuff and then some predictions. And the first category we have is sort of the personal side because obviously the reason people love Rufus specifically is because he's such a good personal human that has shown everyone this year this the softer side of sports betting. I think Joey Kanish is really into this part of it, so we'll, this is actually sponsored by <laughs> uh, what was the biggest change for you professionally in 2021? And I'll throw it out to Rufus first. Um, so I'd say the biggest change for me is, is that now I have another job um, that, you know, unabated launched. And we, I guess that technically started, we started that. Um, it, well, I don't know when our official, let me, well, first day of work for that was, but um, that, that's been in the entire year and it's been difficult because it um, means that I've had to manage people. I've had to be in meetings. I've been had to be accountable to other people and it's been tough. I've realized that I'm not very good at managing people and that's largely because I don't put a lot of effort into it and it's not something I enjoy doing. And so I'm not good at it. And, and it's, it's hard. I, like I want to, I, want to be better at it because I know I need to be, but it's also not something I really enjoy doing. So um, I, I've learned a lot about myself f- uh, f- from this experience for sure. I have a question. I might have questions as we go, Jeff. Yeah. So how do you then, what's your mindset going forward when you know it's something that one, you maybe aren't very good at, but two, don't enjoy doing, knowing that you have to still do it going forward to your business successful? Like what's your plan? Well, the problem is historically those types of things I just avoid. And so <laughs> well, you can't, if you can't avoid them as much anymore, like, uh, yeah, what are you going to do? Well, uh, you know, I've said I need to be better at it and I've avoided it so far. So I still need, <laughs> like, if you could help me figure out a good system for this, that would be amazing. Um, 
All right, we should talk it through on it's our hard. new podcast. Because I'm not, like I'm not full time. I think it's very hard if you're part time too and managing people that are full time and a combination of full time yeah. and part time. And so, um, it's yeah, it's a it's a challenge. I'm definitely I, I, anybody, any listeners that have any thoughts on that too. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm definitely open because uh, I know I need to be better at it. Okay, uh, Preston. Uh, this was biggest change professionally. Yeah. So yeah, no secret here that dove in deep on the NFT stuff this year. Um, primarily initially in March started working with uh, my two co-founders for punks comic slash pixel vault. And I had a ton of success this year. And then more recently uh, buying a football club in England with uh wag me United with uh, a group of a bunch of people you guys may or may not be included in that group so i'm really excited for that gonna basically be turning this direction full-time here in 2022 so um pretty big change from what i was doing previously and we're not allowed to talk too much about that but we may have your co-founder on at some point i think yeah i think that'd be a great guest to have on in a few weeks i know jeff you know him anyways but uh once we have a club officially we can be more open it'll be a good show so can i can i ask was his not losing the weight been positive ev do you think that has allowed you to focus. But do you think, let's say, if you hadn't had that bet with yourself, would you have prioritized NFTs in the, in the way that you have? So it's really interesting you went right to it because I know Jeff sent over a little rundown earlier. This was part of my next answer. So we'll segue to the biggest change for you personally in 2021. And the reason I think the betting has kind of taken its back seat is because of the fact that, so I, for those that are not familiar, beginning of the year, I set a goal to lose 50 pounds. Um, I kind of wanted to motivate myself by re restricting my ability to bet on sports, which essentially I was giving up my EV. Um, so of course, college football this year just like couldn't lose every week. Uh, but I wasn't going to bet if I, until I lost 50 pounds. Uh, in mid-March, I was down 24 and was doing well. I was happy with myself. Um, then we got really busy planning this Punk's comic thing and concept and that took two to three months to really launch and get going. A bunch of other stuff has now come into the picture. So I was like half lazy, but I was also just way busier. And so um, that was the main reason that I just hadn't bet on sports this year, really at all. Outside of a few small, like insignificant wagers with friends for fun, um, I really haven't made a single bet. So uh, I think it played a role because I think if I didn't have all this other stuff, I would have probably gotten to 50. Um, so then I've also, like kind of what I gained from it was, uh, I learned that if I set myself out and actually spend the time, like I can, you know, work my way down. I've probably gained seven or eight back. So I'm probably down 17 or 18 or so overall, but uh, yeah, got to give it another run in 2022. Need to lose 33 more and then I can call it a, a victory or an achievement. But until then, um, yeah, it was, it was a learning experience and kind of uh, a change personally. And I think they did play a role. It did play a role to some degree on my, my path kind of, going a different direction too. So was, can I ask also, was the bet only for 2021? Does it like carry over? The bet, the, the, it wasn't even a bet with anyone. It was just, I'm not allowed to bet till I lose 50 pounds. And so essentially the bet still stands until I lose 50. Uh, but it wasn't plus EV. It ended up being uh, extremely. So somehow this worked out for me. I'm really grateful for that, but I, I also still have 33 pounds to lose. So uh, I got to make it happen this year. It's like the opposite of me and the presidential election where I won my bets and lost because, because I had to sell crypto to 
fund the account <laughs> for you, you your bets would have won yet it was still negative it was still positive ev not betting because of because of your focusing on your time on something that was much bigger here yeah that's actually a good way to, to look at it so um Preston, you one of the other things that happened i don't know if it, was, if it happened this year but you stopped working for espn right and that was yeah something that you and i talked a little bit about and i sort of like in many ways pushed you not to do it um you know and i i obviously when that happened right there were some things that you and i were working on that none of them really came to fruition so i've kind of felt bad about having you not be on espn anymore but was that was that something that you forget <laughs> about as your decision yeah i've never uh held or even thought to hold that against you so don't don't sweat I, that I, at I all. don't think you'd hold it against me but it definitely was something i thought about when you decided not to go on espn because i was like so, pretty so, happy about I'll, it. I'll be completely frank look I was prioritizing my time to get involved with things that would ultimately make me the most money and be the most beneficial. Uh, doing ESPN again, my, and it was February, so it was this last year. Um, it, unless they were going to offer me a bunch more money, it just wasn't worth the amount of hours. And I've, I've said this before on other shows, but it really applies. And I hadn't really considered it before I said yes and agreed to doing ESPN, but like just betting anyways is, is a full-time job. Like, 60 to 80 hours a week. Like it's a grind. And then doing TV six times a week. And I only offered value to ESPN if I was still doing all the betting stuff. Like I couldn't just like cut betting down to 20 hours and then expect to actually do good content in my opinion, or offer good advice on TV six times a week and writing three or four articles a week. Like it just ended up being like super exhausting when COVID hit for unfortunate circumstances, obviously that break was really eye opening, and I prioritized having more flexibility once ESPN and, and my contract were over and moving down with family. So that was another big step in 2020 moving um, back to Southern California. So um, yeah, it, I'd never once considered like, Oh, Jeff talked me out of it. And then I, I think it was heading that direction anyway. So um, yeah, it, it definitely has worked out really well. Cool. What we, uh, Preston, what you said reminds me a lot of something that Matt David said to me this fall when we were talking about work-life balance. And he said, the problem is you have to be going hundred miles an hour to be good at this. Basically, if, if you, if you kind of slow down, then, you know, you're, you're not going to make money. You're going to lose money. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, you work half as much, you make half as much money. No, there's a point like you have to work a lot just to get to the point where you make money. So, yeah, no, it's a, that's totally how it is. It's a good way to put it. Even like college basketball this year, I didn't even bother sending college basketball. I just, it wasn't going to be good. There's no point even trying. I didn't have the time. So um, that's something people have reached out asking me about college hoops. And I, I genuinely haven't fired any college basketball or what I mean fired. I'm not betting myself, but I'm sharing them with friends and family and stuff. So uh, anyways, yeah, it's, 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 it's a great point. You can't just <laughs> it's like all right, half the hours equals half the expected uh, ROI. It just doesn't work out that way. All right, let's move on to best thing that happened to you in 2021 rufus you can take it yeah oh are we oh i thought we were just we were gonna go through with we we do we did we do everybody else's biggest change personally or was oh no it was professional okay that was still professional would like to talk about your biggest change personally i'm happy to do it i'm just gonna go through these because if we go through them line by by line we probably won't finish i think we will so i'm just trying i'm trying to create a flow and some of the other ones will be quicker, but yeah, go, go for it, Rufus. You got oh, it. Oh, okay. Well, which one did you want me to do, Jeff? Biggest change 
Biggest change for you personally in 2021? Um, so, the, I mean, uh, I, most, I think most people know this, but I, like, I'm, I split up with my fiance um, and we've been, you know, living together for like two and a half years, which was a very, very big change and, and was really tough. But I think it's been, it is, you know, I've reconnected with my spiritual side in a way that I had not in a while. Um, and I think I've grown by leaps and bounds as a person um, in terms of, well, in a lot of ways. But I think the biggest way is, is I've, I've, I guess I've redefined myself and in terms of my identity. Um, I think for so long, my identity was as a sports better and as like an elite sports better, um, whether or not you think I am or not, like I thought of myself that way and I needed to, and that was important to me. And, and I guess I've, I've now I've realized my identity is the, the person I am. And so it's, uh, it, it's been really liberating and it's made me feel a lot less stressed and it's helped me realize like where, what my real priorities are in life. And, you know, I mean, we, we don't get that much time here. And so it's like, I mean, I don't want to look back in 20 years and just have, you know, been like, where did all the time go? I was just, you know, under, under a rock working the whole time. So, um, so that, that's been, so, so it's, it's been, it's been a blessing in disguise, I think. And I don't think I would have gotten there without all the life changes, but I, I really do think that like you, the only real way to grow is through adversity. I think, I mean, and, and I, and I, to put it in betting terms, when things are going well, you never are looking to improve your model, right? You're just like cruising. At least that's how I am. Whereas when things are going poorly, that's when I do a lot of digging and that's when I make the biggest changes to my model. And that's actually when I, when, when my betting grows the most. And so I think it's kind of the same in, in personal life. Got it. That's uh, profound. Um, when you, when you think back on, you know, what, what this has done, you think this will ultimately make you a better, better? Yes, definitely. If, if that, if I, if I want to be a better, better. Ooh. Ooh. I'll say this. I, I somebody asked me, you know, if you ask me where I'm going to be in five or 10 years, I don't know. And, but that's, that is, that's a good thing. That's something that excites me not knowing. Like I, I I'm, I'm excited about the future and like, I, Jeff, I love uncertainty. Like randomness really is kind of my religion. It's, I've been in this betting world so long. I'm kind of a curious person, like an adventurer, a seeker at heart. And I wouldn't want to know where I'd be in five or 10 years. I think that the, the whole, the, the possibility of it all is, is just, is what excites me. All right. Best thing that happened to you in 2021, Preston. Uh, so okay, like I wrote down two here in my notes just because one's sentimental, but it's, it's, the correct answer is just being back in Southern California near family. And I didn't realize how important it was going to be for my kids to be near like grandma and grandpa and just being able to, when grandma and grandpa show up at their soccer games on Saturday or just dropping them off when, you know, my wife and I can actually go out to, to a dinner or something, which we couldn't do as frequently when we were in Vegas kind of going solo. So that's been awesome. That's probably the best thing. A more, a more fun thing. I wanted to make a note and, and pat myself on the back, but I had a, my background's in music. My dad uh, worked in the music industry. I've always just been a huge music fan. Uh, I wrote a song 
that a Grammy award-winning producer produced and we released it like last week. And so that was probably the coolest thing that happened to me this year. Cause it's just like a hobby for fun, but um, it's a pop song and it's actually pinned on my Twitter still. So people can go check it out if they haven't heard it yet. We did an animated music video. It's yeah, it was just fun to do. So that, those two things are the main two that stuck out. Rufus. So I think the best, I would say, I think I accidentally said this for uh, the other thing, but, but, but reconnecting my spiritual side, I think is the, is probably been the, the biggest life EV thing for me. Um, in terms of the, the other thing that's been really awesome has been working. I like that, that term, by the way, life EV, positive life EV. Yeah. No, I've started using that. I think it's, it goes back. It reminds me. Yeah. If any poker people out there remember Phil Galfond used to do a blog and he talked about happiness EV as a professional poker player. I learned a ton. This is like 10 years ago now, probably if not even longer than that, but happiness EV life EV it's, it's a real thing. It's balancing. It's like the hardest part. I mean, Sorry, I think it's not to not to interrupt you, but I, I want to say this before I forget. Um, I listened to that Risk of Ruin podcast about you and Ed and Zach, and the his intro to you was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Who he was, is Bruce Peabody? Is, is he famous? And he kind of gave he you- said all these things that did not actually make me famous, though. That was the funny that, thing. That's kind of like the funny. He was he was very like amazingly self-deprecating he's like he's host of the bet the process podcast does anyone care about podcasts does <laughs> like does he's like uh he's been a regular at the sloan sports analytics conference which basically makes him a nerd and like he just goes on and on it's great though anyway was, um but, sorry as you were saying positive ev no but life EV, so the life ev stuff i mean i've been kind of channeling i don't know i've had this sort of I don't know what to call it, this thought in my head of, of living every day like, like imagine you had one month to live, you knew that you had a month to live and it was day one of that month. Like every day is day one of that month. So you're not focused on, you're not like, oh my God, I have to do all this and this and this. You could still focus on longer term things, but at the same time, you're just appreciating the moments. So that's kind of what I've been trying to channel. And, and I've been, you know, I've, I've actually like I meditated six of the last seven days and and I've like actually I never actually had a regular meditation practice outside of the Buddhist classes I go to and it's been really really it's been really good for me. Have you ever done a float tank? I have not. No. You should do it. There's a spot in Vegas. I'll text you. You should try it. Okay. It's basically meditation, but you're weightless in complete darkness in a float sensory deprivation tank. tank. I love to. Yeah, yeah, it's similar. Girl code for that? We can maybe make them. Yeah, a yeah, we could make them a sponsor process. for sure. Yeah. We've been looking for a sponsor. I kind of like having the sensories, though. I mean, I was up in Maine last week, and I I went every single day, every, every single afternoon. I went for like a one hour walk in the woods, and it was just beautiful. But the other the other thing that's been um, the best thing to happen for me has been working with my brother, which was a new thing. We just started together in January, and he's come a long way um nice. it's been it's and it's just i mean he's understands the industry now um very well and, and is able to kind of be an extension of me in, in a lot of ways and um he has a lot of strengths that i don't have too especially in managing um betting partnerships and things like that um and so it's but it's been rewarding on a personal level too getting to work with him and and talk to him and spend more time with him more so he's like my best friend so he's like everybody loves that dude every, every time he comes out to vegas everyone loves him so and and he i mean he's a fan he's a great guy he's a fantastic musician he's got so much going for him 
I was thinking like on this music stuff, you know, Tony Kornheiser plays songs of people uh, like that they sent in. We should try to get your songs played on the Kornheiser show. Well, that's you know, least. you know, he already has had a song played on the Kornheiser show. Good. That's the least, that's oh, the least nice. that dude can do for me for making me get up every, every Friday at like 530 AM. I'll send you guys his new song. Um, it like he's he's signing with a, a producer in Western Massachusetts, and he was you know it's Western Massachusetts. It's a pretty hot um, place for music, right? In the Berkshires. It's it's some guy who was in L.A. and kind of moved, wants the sort of quieter life. You know, total hotbed out there in the Berkshires. But what kind of music does he write? Like, what style is his? He's kind of I would say a little folksy, a little some of his recent stuff has been a little more country too. Okay. But he's very versatile. Nice. Um, but the stuff he writes is a little more sort of folksy, like Lumineers type. I don't know. Mumford and Sons. Yeah. I got you. All right. I know you guys didn't care, but I'll tell you the best thing that happened to me in 2021. And that was that I had this like consistent winning streak in sports betting, which actually like very much helped me, like stop caring so much about sports betting and stop caring about looking at your phone. So frequently. Like, yeah. Just more being more present with like my family that combined with like COVID and everything and not the lack of travel. I just got to spend more time with my, my kids and really just enjoy that and not, and not be sweating games and, you know, figuring out what the next, you know, next game to play or next sweat to get is. And so I, I uh, it's interesting that that, how what an impact that sort of had on me and my psyche um betting is is just feeling like a consistent winner over a, a, a fairly long amount of time nice and i have rufus is calcutta welcome you're welcome <laughs> uh let's talk about worst beat of 2021 and this can be your own worst beat the worst beat of you know gambling beat life beat whatever um Preston, you want to go first Sure. Yeah. Mine's pretty, pretty easy. So there was a former high stakes poker pro uh, used to be on like TV quite a bit or poker go playing in the high stakes games. Also bet on sports uh, was vouched for by a bunch of people that reached out to me near the end of last year, wanting more outs to fire on some stuff. Uh, Like just got him in touch with all the people I've worked with in the past. And he dumped like over 160,000 and just it became evident after a few weeks, he actually couldn't pay. and wasn't paying people. Um, so I had to intervene. I didn't want to like ruin relationships with people I had bet with in the past. So uh, I had to cover for his name's Anthony Alberto, by the way, if anyone hears his name, do not do, do not do business with them, betting poker, anything. Um, he's in Vegas went back to Philly. I heard he's like back in Vegas. Now it just is, I, there's like near zero chance I'm getting paid. There's a bunch of people he owes. It's like in the millions once we kind of dive in and talked it over. But so anyway, I had to cover uh, his losses at the time was like 16 or 17 Bitcoin, which is like 800,000 now. So that was my worst beat of the year. Um, but I'm fine. And like kind of, uh, kind of a like I, f- I feel like part of the reason i was like grinding so hard on the crypto side and what ended up being nfts was because i felt like i was down 16 17 bitcoin since the end of last year and i almost you know like used that as like a crutch to to dig in more so maybe it ended up working out overall i hope he never hears that because i'd still like to get paid but uh he, he get he, i did get paid fifty thousand in usd 
and then it just disappeared after that. He was he was uh, completely out. So, um, anyways, that was my worst beat probably of all time, uh, and it happened to be this year. Rufus, worst beat of the year? The worst gambling beat was John Rahm and COVID, probably, or the, at least the most unique. That that cost six figures, um, probably six figures. Well, yeah, probably six figures in EV too. Because what he was like ninety percent to win the tournament. He had a six-stroke lead going to the final round of the Memorial. Oh, but wow. but I'll tell you the worst beat, the the, the hardest beat for sure was, um, sort of a gambling beat, I guess, and it's more like Preston's actually, but it's my own damn fault. So <laughs> when I was moving in late July, I looked through. I have this backpack that I. I guess hadn't used since the 2020 Super Bowl. Like it was in my closet buried somewhere. And I happened to find $70,000 worth of winning Super Bowl oh. betting tickets from the Borgata from the 2020 Super Bowl. I had somehow, I had, you know, I, I bet in Vegas, I bet in New Jersey, but all the New Jersey stuff was on apps except the Borgata. And so I never, like COVID, after COVID happened, I never, I, I literally, it wasn't somehow it disappeared from my mind. Like, cause this COVID happened less than a month after the Super Bowl ended. I'd been skiing, traveling. I come back, COVID happens. And I completely forgot that I had any tickets to New Jersey. And, and so because of the rules there, you know, like if it was Vegas, I would have pro- like Vegas will honor those tickets after they expire. These were expired by about six months. Um, no, no such luck in New Jersey. Apparently the money goes to the state um it the money goes to like the state's general fund or something like the day after uh you know the tickets expire or something so that's like i just feel like a huge idiot huge huge idiot that is a rough one that's a tough one well and and i know i probably come across as this unsit like how like how did you realize that you didn't like hadn't cashed that you know hadn't you know i held my former business partners i remember zach being like what you didn't balance your bankroll like <laughs> when you make thirteen thousand Super Bowl bets, uh, you know every year, though it's it's possible. Well, the thing is, and and that was a losing Super Bowl for me too. Oh dang! You know, so so it, it became an even more, even b- bigger losing Super Bowl. But yeah, yeah. How about biggest win or bet of 2021's, 2021 sports betting or not? I'll go first. Oh, I my, think we my, know what Preston's is. My 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 the Calcutta, honestly, like just because it was so fun. <laughs> it was so fun to beat the number one preeminent golf better in the world. And I got two. to be. I got number to be two. on that first one, by the way. <laughs> Jeff, the NFL Super Bowl one. Jeff, uh, I don't think you've recently checked my Twitter bio. You're number two now. It says I, I put number two golf better. Who's number one? <laughs> That's pretty number good. Two. Who's number one? I don't AD, know. But, I guess, right? I don't know. He challenged you and you didn't do it. I mean, he wants to, yeah, I'm not even going to distinguish that with the response, but. What? Am I, am I missing something? Oh, did you miss the Twitter drama from last week? No. Yeah. I missed it. I, <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. I don't spend all my this, time looking at your Twitter drama. The abnormally distributed guy tried to challenge one to challenge me to a million dollar golf betting contest. Oh yeah. I saw that. It was, that was like a very much of a, that sounded like Empire Maker in the making again. So right, I know it. And all these people are like, he's like, well, I'll put the money up, I'll, you know, and for escrow or something. But to be honest, like, well, he was invited to our Calcutta, remember? We'll have him in the next he one. Show up. Like, I don't know anybody that's met him. Like, the rule, 
the thing with Empire Maker was not, never about one of us not pay that wasn't going to pay or something. It was it was it was a rules dispute in essence, right? And so, yeah. I mean, I feel like there's all sorts of potential for that stuff, and like, I'm not you frankly just not interested. You. You're the number one sports golf better in the world, and I I'll, I I'll give it I'll give him that title if he wants it. Well, you I, did I, apparently. Yeah, you, you have a mug that says it. So if he has a mug that says it, then maybe. Maybe we'll I think it. you stole that mug. So I think you have it now. You have oh, the title. Maybe I am. I, you mean I stole it? I stole it literally or figuratively? Both. In the Calcutta. Um, what was the biggest win of 2021 for you, Rufus? Um, the Masters. But I, I will say this was the, it was the best, it was the best sports betting year of, for me of my life, actually, <laughs> financially. And golf oh, betting wow. year. Nice. I returned 6% on golf over the whole year, which is kind of incredible. Um, Despite the like half million Rufus coin losses in the Calcutta to Jeff. Well, he owes, he owes, actually, the 6% that six doesn't include that. If I include that, it's probably down to, I don't know, 5.5. 5. Okay. He doesn't, have enough, he doesn't have as big a share of the Calcutta as I typically do of mine. So it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, that's, you're right. You're right. I'm not like, I'm not, I, I'm not 100% of all those losses. I'm, I'm like, in most cases, I was in the, 25 to 30% range, but still. Yeah. But the Masters, I mean, yeah, we're 31% return on it. And even after the Calcutta, where I think we lost like 100 grand and I was probably maybe, I don't know, it was still of, it was still the most profitable, um, maybe, maybe a most profitable event for me ever. Um, so the Calcutta's, the Calcutta, losing the Calcutta's to me is minus likely for you. <laughs> oh, certainly is. And I, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm literally scared of the Calcuttas this year. Like I'm just because I, I'm the only Calcuttas I'm not scared for are the ones that I don't handicap. And just because somehow it feels like, like the only one I won on was the college basketball one where I had absolutely no idea. Uh, I'm literally scared of them also. Preston, biggest win. I assume I know what you're going to say. Yeah. It's just, you know, launching pixel vault punks comic in, in May. So yeah, pretty straightforward. All right. Uh, best meal of 2021. I have two on my list. One is the dinner that I had with you, Cheetah, at Bourbon Steak, where we just had the delicious wine oh, yeah. and that chicken. And just and it was just like kind of a wonderful moment. And we, we ate a bourbon steak in, uh, in Dana Point, um, Michael Nina restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, nice to go to dinner with a Mormon who doesn't drink and you know, <laughs> A bottle of wine and just down it yourself. Uh, and then the other one was that dinner we had a catch, which I thought was a super fun dinner that both of you guys are at. And yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna run that back next Friday. I got a reservation for 10 there. So beautiful. Ooh. I will be there. Rufus, are you back from your trip by then? I'm in yeah. Vegas right now. I'm heading to Joshua Tree on Friday and I'll be back probably Sunday night or Monday. Oh, so it's just the weekend. Nice. Yeah, okay. I'll see weekend. you next week then. Gonna find myself in the desert or whatever people do. By the way, Jeff, Jeff and Rufus for Friday and Saturday, I think. So I, I told you that I took my wife back to bourbon steak, like two or three weeks later. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I had to go right back. It was, it was that good. So that was up there for me too. How about you guys? Best meal of 2021. Ooh. I mean, I, I catch was amazing. Um, major demos. I mean, all those meals were amazing, but I'm going to go with something old. I, I'm going to go with the Italian American. It, it, social well the italian american club in las vegas with just with the the company of it i, I was with roxy 
and, and Vic Salerno and Captain Jack. This was last September during G2E. And it was just, I mean, the, uh, the history of that place, like, I mean, it, it, it was, it, and, and just getting to spend time with, with two legends, well, three legends, but. Are you including yourself? <laughs> no, I'm including Jack. Yeah, you were spending time with yourself? But I was spending time with myself. Or legend. I'm not a legend, though. Uh, Preston, how about you? Best meal of 2021. So this one is, is pretty easy, and I'm actually texting you guys a tweet thread you can pull up as some pictures uh, in the meantime. But it's probably the best culinary experience of my life. It's, it's, it was called Hearth. There's this local farm, sort of local. It's in San Juan Capistrano. And there is a cook named Tim Byers that he uh, did smoke. He started Smoke, which is a restaurant in Texas, I believe in Dallas. Then he did a cookbook on smoking food. And he just moved out here uh, during COVID. And we, on this farm, uh, once a week, he would put on a meal using all of the farm ingredients just there, like locally on the land. And he'd build this huge fire up and he would just cook it there for people in this big like community setting. And like even I was looking at the pictures earlier today and like it's it's super like uh, cringy or weird, but I like was getting emotional seeing the meals again or like the actual dishes again because it just was such a cool experience being there and seeing something picked, you know, from the farm that day, put on flames, cooked for you, then brought to you at the table. Um, but it reminded me when I was really thinking about all the meals and you guys referenced a few that we've had together and stuff, my favorite all-time quote is from uh, Rest in Peace, Anthony Bourdain. I'm not sure if you've heard this one, uh, Jeff. In particular, he was he wrote in 2012 a Father's Day essay for Bon Appetit um, about his childhood and memories of his father. And this is the quote. He said, he taught me early that the value of a dish is the pleasure it brings you, where you are sitting when you eat it and who you are eating it with are what really matter. And so sometimes there's a lot more than the food and just that community vibe. I was with my wife and then my dad and brother was in town and doing that whole farm experience and then you know thinking back on the meals we've had together and it's really just about that like social experience and just being with the people that you love right and and enjoying the food so um by far though hearth that was, that was like the coolest thing i've done it was like a whole four hour experience and uh would recommend if he runs it back next summer i'll make you guys come over to do it that sounds amazing and i agree about about i mean what make, makes a meal special is the people and the ambiance and all that the experience yep not just the food. All right, let's move on to betting stuff. Most important sports betting headline slash story of 2021. Mine is that FanDuel has same game parlays. <laughs> You've so, been crushing the same day, same, same game, game parlays. parlays. Yeah, I've been waiting for those my whole life. Now I have them. Same game parlays. No, I'm just kidding. How about you? What do you guys have? Is that Rufus? So I kind of well. I, I feel like I don't want to steal Preston Sunder, but I'm going to, I'm going to kind of do, it's kind of two that I think kind of go together in a way. Jason Robbins saying that he doesn't want winning betters. Um, and then Matt Metcalf the other day tweeting out, which I think is a big news article. And I think there will be a story about this, that Circa has held 3% since their inception, which despite the fact that they do not limit winners and they're in fact like, they are not marketing aggressively. And so they're largely, I mean, they're a place that a lot of sharps are betting. Um, and so they're not getting, I, I think it's significant because it means either 
they are still getting enough recreational action to make the model good. Um, or they're that sharp and, and it just shows that, that there's that betters that there are a lot of betters out there that care about price and enough so that they can hold that. And that, I guess this sort of subclass of like aspiring sharper people that are not just flipping coins, but have some idea what they're doing, but are still long-term losers. Um, like that is a, a, a class of better worth going after. It's also nice getting plus 110 on all the wagers you make. Of course, that's the whole, right. <laughs> if, if they can do it's, it profitably taking infinity limits or not quite, but yeah, no, I think, I think that's cool. I, I was going to ask, do you know, like what would Penny or Chris be like two, two and a half, three percent? Is it similar? I have no idea what those numbers are. Generally. I have no idea either. Okay. But I mean, I have nothing against the, the, I mean, I, I don't like it, but I, but you know, the, the, the business model of DraftKings, um, but I just think that the other business model, the, the pinnacle type circuit type business model should be allowed to exist as well. Agreed. How about you, Preston? Top, top story. Yeah, I think, I think it was Jason Robbins and DraftKings quote, uh, basically admitting to not wanting winners and limiting them. And, you know, I commend him for doing what uh, Will Hill wouldn't do on Jeff Ma's panel at Sloan. So congrats to Jason Robbins for, for doing that. And by the way, he did not respond to, I wanted to get him on the podcast. And I was like, I was, we were not going to, we were going to be fair. Like he, there is no upside in him coming on the podcast of course and trying to do that. Like well, there's he, no way his PR comms team would let him, but I would yeah. have appreciated him at least saying no. He's like, not going to acknowledge you, dude. Like, well, I, I, te- I actually texted Matt Kalish, who his number I have, and I've texted with him in the past after that sports betting national championship thing. And he didn't message me back. I mean, of course not. And I, <laughs> I mean, I reached out to some mutual friends of ours that um, work at DraftKings, and, you know, that, I don't know. I mean, we had. Did you tell him you're the number two golfer in the world? I should have. I should have. I, 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 you know what I told him? I said, I'm the number three. I told him I'm the number three sports better in the country. (laughs) No, (laughs) that was in 2019. But I'll say this. I mean, we had John Sheeran from FanDuel on. I thought we were fair with him. Like, yeah. I I think it would be a good, uh, what I do, I I think it would be a good conversation. We also exposed the fact that, like, they have no ability to build software for like actual fair wagering. <laughs> well, I think it, it was, it was enlightening for people coming at it from our perspective to sort of see what it's like from their perspective. And I think that would, I think that is a good thing for both parties involved. I think that's right. sort of understanding between the sort of sharp betting community and in the book would have been, a, I think a positive um, in general. I'm, Curious about this next one. Who is the analytics hero of 2021? So, yeah, so Jeff actually wrote down hero and goat for analytics of 2021. I'm not really sure. I'm goat is not G O A T, like goat, oh, is like bad. actual animal. Yeah, like bad. So, we I want just, hero I, and we want bad. I don't know about that. I, I I just am not qualified to assess that correctly. But I will say my hero for 2021 on this front, uh, shout out to Kostya Medvedovsky. He does a lot of NBA analytics. He 
does the Darko NBA projections, if you're familiar with that and uh, some of the all-in-one metrics there. But one thing when you're betting, one thing you're always trying to do is um, approach things in a way that just hasn't been thought of before or isn't taken into account in the market, um, at least not yet. You want to try to get out ahead. Uh, he brought something to my attention I had never once even dreamt of considering for NBA. And it feels so stupid, but he, he went back um, and I pulled up an old tweet just so I can reference this correctly. Um, him and uh, I think Stefano was the person that he was actually quote tweeting that sparked his reaction to run stuff. But um, Medvedov, uh, Medvedovsky said, I've looked at the predictive power of preseason results and there's actual real predictive power, real value here. He's like, I'll do a full write up. But basically the Chicago Bulls were crushing teams in the preseason they had a net rating of i think before their final game their net rating was 32 plus 32.5 it was the best they'd seen since they had data in preseason basketball in like 17 years worth of data um, anyone that had a net rating of above 17 and a half uh, won at least 44 games in the regular season the bulls were almost double that and their season win total was like 41 and his point was like if you're crushing teams by that much in their preseason like this suggests that we should be bumping our expectations for the regular season on the bulls by about one and a half points per 100 possessions. Sure enough, the bulls have been awesome in the East this year. Uh, but it was kind of figured out the total move from, I think 41 and a half to 43 and a half was actually the final close in that final like week of preseason. So the market also moved that way. And that, you know, all the numbers are likely going to win despite some crazy finish for Chicago. And so um, shout out to him. I'd never considered preseason results in the NBA actually being predictive of the regular season. Most people just automatically myself included preseason, no point. Uh, so going forward, if I do run NBA again, going forward in future seasons, I have to uh, account for that and kind of do some digging. Can I ask, is that effect symmetrical or is it asymmetrical? Are teams that are bad in preseason bad overall, yes. or is it the fact that they could be just resting their stars and things like that? No, he had a chart. It goes the other way as well. It's significant to, to that degree. So if there was a team that was, you know, with a net rating on the negative side, way above expectation going into preseason, you could have a similar effect in the regular season. I think one um, team that came to mind was the Hornets. And uh, that was a team that was struggling in preseason. They haven't been as good or, reached expectations in the regular season. Another one that was outperforming was, I believe, the Warriors. And then sure enough, the Warriors have, I still think, the best record in the NBA. No one was really anticipating that. So um, it's also just like one season right now that we're bringing up these examples, but he's going back, you know, 15 years of preseason data. And it's it's basically really predictive every year, he said. So um, yeah, kind of crazy, but it, it, it makes some sense, I guess, versus I think the NFL, you have guys maybe only playing a quarter or a half and only in one or two games or nowadays, maybe even zero. And I think that's easier to kind of just assume, throw it out. Um, whereas NBA has been a little bit different and I, for whatever reason, had never looked at it. I'm surprised that I'm surprised that people hadn't really considered that just because I feel like it's always talked about with baseball for preseason spring baseball, spring training. Yeah. yeah. And, and then the general notion that was that it wasn't predictive, but there are some, but you know, I've, some some very smart people um, have found, and I think I've my my findings have sort of confirmed that as well. That at least in the past, this is years ago, that um, that certain performances can be predictive. Um, I forget if it was pitching or hitting, but I think more hitting. Not important. That's just a detail. Um, <laughs> mine was uh, who's yours, Rufus? Um, I'll go with something boring actually because. For, I mean, I, I think there's been a lot of great analytics out there, although 
I tweeted out recently that I freaking hate the term analytics because I feel like it's so misused. But um, I think that in terms of, I, I think I also can't think further back than the, the football season. So I'll go with um, I'll go with Brandon Staley. I think he's uh, more been more committed to that in his coaching than than any other coaches have in the NFL's history. So it's part of his it's, it, it is his process. Like he, I don't think he had to be convinced by someone. I think he naturally believes this. I'll be quick. I that's a great one, by the way. And it's almost now gotten to the point where no one talks about it because he's been so consistent and it's just part of the way he coaches, um, which is a great sign. Your point about analytics is all. Also dead on. Like for example, I, I hate when people call the down fourteen score a touchdown, down eight, go for two thing analytics. It's literally not even analytics. It's logic. logic. It's, it's logic. like everyone refers to analytics, and it's just like there's nothing analytical there's no about it. Yeah, there's addition. Very down, minimal. Okay, down fourteen addition and subtraction. Two, no, the going for two, down fourteen, going for two. I I would call that analytics. It's not. Well, I, no, you're wrong, Jeff. Because the, <laughs> the actual math that you need, you need to do math to figure out like why it's positive EV. You have to do, you have to add and subtract by seven and eight and six. That's all you have and to like a, do. And a, a like a 25% and a 50% here or there. But it's like, it's not analytics. I don't think is like very. No, so, my point is like, okay, that's, that's like saying, let's, let's, you know, use the word math to define one to, to refer to one plus one and differential equations. Right. It's like, so so here's, here's why, here's why I'm disagreeing with you guys because the down by um, uh, 15 score a touchdown, go for two. That's not analytics, right? That's logic. Because you're basically just that that's what we're saying. You want more information, right? Earlier. Do it sooner rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. And so there and wouldn't you say that that's a different analysis than leads you to wanting to go for two in the down by 14 situation, which which there is a little bit of math attached to it. But, but okay, math sure. is an yeah. analytics, but you're right, it's yeah. a little bit tier above, but it's so simple still that yeah, I just when people refer to that as analytics, I was like, it's, yes. it's totally ruined. The so we're, we'll raise the bar for analytics. Thank you. Getting scoring a touchdown and getting seven points—that's analytics. You have to be able to add seven. Okay. Anyways, I mean, it's, you guys are smarter than most people, so take your little math snobbery and analytics snobbery and logic snobbery somewhere else. Well, my, but my is, analytics hero is Farhan Zaidi. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Wait, Rufus, what were you about to say? You have, you have, I was just going to say the problem is that you, all these people fight. criticize, they're like, oh, they think they criticize analytics like it's one thing. Like, but analytics, if it's used properly, I guess it, it's sort of a way of thinking about things. And so but that's why I'm saying that the that, analytics to come to different conclusions. It's not like and when they say that, analytics says to go for it, analytics, analytics like, hold on. When, when people say analytics said to go for two there, no, that's not, I mean, different people could have different levels of sophistication at their analysis that show different things. Like there's no one answer here. Well, so analytics means something different to other people or to the common world. Right. That's my point. That everybody, it's this sort of basic, like go for it on fourth down, go for two all the time thing. Okay. Yeah. So can I talk about Farhan and why? Yeah. I, yeah. So Farhan is, he's the general manager, or whatever his title is, president of baseball operations at the giants. And, and what he did, and, and this is why I say that he's the hero, right? What he did this year, like 
I still can't really figure out. We talked about it at Bourbon Steak. I I still didn't get it. There were 100 games in at that point. Yeah, and and it's it's, it's 162 games, the performance that they had. And then even you could say like, oh, it's kind of a fluke. You know, they're they're about to go up against the best team in baseball, but from a talent, and they took them right to the brink, right? This was a, this was incredible. And it'll be fascinating to see what he does over the next five to six years when he's able to basically take all of these different things and apply them to player development and, you know, the farm system and like, I would be surprised if they are not, you know, the best team, one of the best teams in baseball, the next, you know, five to six to seven, as long as he's there. basically. Jeff, Jeff, at what point would you not bet under on seasons before the giants win a world series? So if I said three and a half, you'd probably bet under. But if I said five, or excuse me, over. But but if I said five and a half, like what's the number where you I, actually? I think play it's. Under? I think you pegged it. I think it's probably like four and a half, something like that. I mean, the hard thing with the World Series is we know that like still a super variance anyway. But yeah, coin flip. So, but I mean, I, but I, it would be a fun bet. Like four and a half uh, years would be a fun bet. They got to win one in the next four years. I'd probably take that. <clears throat> the under. You mean you'll take the over? Yeah, I mean the over, yeah. Yeah. You got to actually, the, again, semantics and words matter with this. The over <laughs> is very good. Pitching or hitting. You love saying that. Uh, all right. Next one is analytics, like GOAT, not in the what the kids say GOAT these days, but as like the GOAT animal, not, like, not good. Um, you, it sounds like you don't have one, Preston. I just didn't want to make anyone feel bad. Plus, I also thought you meant goat as in greatest of all time. And I was like, I mean, there's the like difference? the Phil, there's the Phil Sims <laughs> quote or the Phil Sims clip that I'm sure a lot of us have seen around. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, a good one. yeah. The the and then like you know that whole all four of them could take a like a lap a victory lap around this award because they were essentially all just like you know like every time you hear someone talk about spreadsheets, how about this as a as a well and then also I don't know if you guys ever listen to Simmons's podcast. But Simmons on his podcast recently has been talking about this whole like Harbaugh going for two thing. And, you know, he talks about fucking analytics. Sorry. I know, I know. But he, he talks basically about how the math, like, so one of the keys to analytics, and I think about this as an ethos a little bit in my mind, it's like the card counter ethos. It's like, it's all about small edges, right? You're just trying to pick up small edges all over the place, right? And decision-making in NFL games is, is, is a situation where you can get small edges, right? And you hope basically over the course of the season that those small edges, Simmons has basically said, like, he doesn't care about the small edges. He wants to basically argue about whether, whether these, these, you know, people are right or wrong. And he wants to still be able to have that argument. And the unfortunate thing is that with the analytics, like with the numbers, with the percentages, if you're doing something that's plus, plus EV, like you have no, like you can just hide behind that. That's that's what he's kind of saying on his podcast. And it was it's very interesting for someone that's like so you know runs a, such a smart sports brand to be talking that way about decision making, right? But it, it you know it, it it is it it is very anti antithetical, anti antithetical, whatever antithetical antithetical. There we go. Antithetical to sports arguments, right? Because we want to be able to argue about every decision. And if there is actually like a, it's like basic strategy, right? Like you want to, you want to argue with me about whether hitting 16 versus a 10 is, 
you know, positive EV or negative EV or whether splitting, you know, like, and and with basic strategy, you can't argue with me because I can tell you what's right and what's wrong. And and sports does not lend itself to that perfection in terms of decision-making. You're saying basically Simmons is the guy who's like, I got a feeling I'm going to stay this time. He wants to at least be able to to say that and feel like he should be able to argue with you about your decision, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's a million people on Twitter that agree with them. Well, and and then the other person that I thought would be an interesting person to bring up is Haralabong. Because did he, as a, you know, as sort of the flame out that he had with the Mavericks, did he set the analytics movement back? And I'm not saying like he was in the wrong at all about that. Like I, you know, reading reading it and hearing like the whole story, I do think he probably like, you know, was just that's what Mark put him in to do and was put into an impossible situation to some degree. But like, it, you know, like if you think about the, the nuance of this idea, which is like who hurt analytics the most in this last year? Um, is that really the narrative on the surface? Like if, if people, like if people looked at, like think about like the players they grabbed to play alongside Luca, who by the way, was like immediately one of the best players in the world. Like Maxi Kleber, Jalen Brunson, Dwight Powell, uh, you had uh, Seth Curry, where they eventually trade incorrectly last year for Josh Richardson with the Sixers, but they had all these guys that were just like diamonds in the rough that were amazing. And they're, it, I'm, you're saying the analytics had nothing to do with that. They were lucky for trading up for Luka Doncic. And I don't know anyone looking at it on the surface saying that analytics. I mean, I don't. Is why I don't, it failed is weird because they way over exceeded based on their roster and personnel. I guess it's it's more of like a cultural thing that I'm kind of talking. By about. the way, since he yeah. left this year and they have Jason Kidd coaching, they're underachieving. So no, but I mean, like Haralabob is a, is brilliant when it comes to basketball. He's like the first guy that I would ever hire if I owned a basketball team. And like my my point is not as to bring this up is really to bring up this discussion about like how do you kind of create organizational change as an analytics guy. And not get like a piece written about you that says that you're, you know, a cancer to the organization, et cetera. I have an and answer. It's I guess I see what you're saying. Your point an is more, how does, how do you keep it from affecting everyone else in an organization, players, staff, et cetera? I, don't, I, mean, yeah, I mean, I just think it's what you need. You need a functional organization where everybody believes in the same thing, where everybody is, you know, where it is part of the culture something like the Ravens or probably what the Chargers are. I don't know what the Chargers are, but I know the Ravens organization, I believe is like very much that way. It's a, it's, it's something that, that everybody, it has buy-in from everybody at every level. It's like having a coach and GM that like working together rather than, you know, ones that, that don't like each other. Right. Yeah. I think it's more, I don't think it has anything, the Haralabob thing has anything to do with analytics. I think it has to do with a, a dysfunction of an organization. Yes, but it does have something to do with analytics because analytics is always going to be disruptive in an organization. That was like the base of the disruption. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. That's but interesting. It, 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 apparently, the organization, I mean, based on the other articles that came out about the Mavs in the past year, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't seem like the organization over the past, what, decade has had sure. the, most, the, the best workplace environment, um, right? Allegedly. Does anyone have a hot take on analytics that they want to talk about if not we can move on i don't know there was all these i don't i won't even bring it up but the whole whether clv matters or not thing on twitter that went on forever 
Well, that was part of the uh, next question. Anyways, worst thing to happen to sports slash sports betting in 2021. Oh no, I was going to sports betting MVP of the year. I put Zilbert down, but we can get to that one next. Worst thing to happen in sports betting 2021. Honestly, did, didn't not to just crush DraftKings all show, but didn't they botch the betting championship again? I wasn't paying that close, <laughs> but like all the people that actually bet there and are limited, they were actually limited within the contest to their actual real life limits. And like, it was just, it was immediately dead before it started. And that's twice now. And I just said, that's probably up there. Um, I'm not sure if how they even, if they paid everyone back, I never even looked to see what the conclusion was. Rufus, you may know, but uh, yeah, it was just, I think I, I think I did read it. it was like basically turned into a free roll for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's good that they cleaned it up that way, but the fact that they messed that up, I don't know. It's, yeah, it kind of baffles me, but anyways, that was mine. I was going to say something not that's, I guess sort of DraftKings related, but it's more just not jet, not specifically DraftKings related. It's more just big sports book operator related and lobbyist related. And that's the fact that um, the development where States are limiting free competition um, free enterprise in sports betting, limiting the number of licenses and saying that um, that only operators that have are in you know three other states can be in their particular state. Um, you have places where you have what's going on down in Florida, right? Where the Seminole, well, we don't know how that's going to shake out, but um, but these sort of legalized monopolies and oligopolies, which I think are very bad for the industry, and I think it hurts a book like Circa. Um, and it hurts, which, and if you don't have books that cater towards um, winning betters, or I don't want to say cater towards winning betters, but cater towards betters that are better than a coin flippers, maybe the betters that are going to be negative 2% or negative 1% instead of negative 4.5%. You know, if those players don't have places to play, I mean, I think that's a net negative for the industry. All right. Um... Mine was, I don't know, like, I think this increased legalization is actually such a bad thing now, <laughs> the more I think about it, just because everyone is giving, like, more people opportunities to screw this all up. You kind of predicted this a few years ago, I feel like. I, I mean, At least foresaw. I, I hate that I'm I hate that I'm right on this. Yeah. Uh, and then COVID-19, it's been kind of bad for sports betting. I don't know, personally. I haven't enjoyed it. This okay. idea that, like, we're going into this, these, it's like, Rufus, do you have something to say? I feel like my betting's been doing well since COVID, but it's obviously been bad for the world, but you know, (laughs) this is like in, uh, this is like in Harold and Kumar in the first one, when Harold talks about the car versus the laptop, you know, you know, you guys know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the car. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways. Uh, Okay. Um, MVP and goat in the, in the non goat way. I want Preston said he had his MVP pick. Zilber, man, the fact that this kid is still on Twitter constantly defending himself day in, day out, like I, it's just so impressive to me. Like, and and the fact that he pretends that last year didn't count, still, despite losing a challenge to me in the MLB where he just was like a 40x differential across 60 games. Did he pay like, you anything? Yeah, it was just for uh, I think a thousand dollars, and he paid. He, he, he exists. It was at that moment in time we could confirm it wasn't just some troll that was actually a sharp posting opposite picks or something. But um, I, I, I go like up and down. I'm mostly just being like facetious or whatever. But 
the fact that he still just is out there on Twitter, like in the battlefield every day with the same exact argument over and over and over. He just like believes. So much. I don't know. I kind of respect it. He's, he's my MVP for a sports betting Twitter this year. You know, he, I, I've been messaging with him. I, I, I wanted, I kind of wanted to get some insight into him and like, cause I don't know. I've, yeah. Are you also messaging with Vegas Dave? I'm not messaging with Vegas Dave. He blocked me. But I did watch his documentary. <laughs> did you really? I did. Uh, you know, I, I will say it was. Is that little... different than the Showtime thing? Yes. Yes. This oh, is something. Was like this was actually, I'm going to be honest. It was actually pretty good. It was well produced. It was like very professionally produced. It's like a real Maybe documentary. Picks? Um, no, it's kind of a big cell phone, to be honest. Like he comes across as like a brilliant marketer. It's like the Vegas Dave story, how he's a brilliant marketer. He makes all this money, but you know, it even talks about him going to Gamblers Anonymous and going broke and all that stuff. The thing is, the takeaway at the end was that he didn't have a gambling problem. He had a money management problem. He always had the right picks. It just was, you know, which uh -huh. I think is, but if, if you watch the whole thing, you're like, would I really ever trust this guy to be good at this? No, he seems like a really good marketer. And so I think that, I don't know. That, that, that was the takeaway for me. Um, but it gave me some insight. Invited into our dinner on Friday. At, it gave at, me insight into him as a person. Um, for sure. I mean, we're all the sure. product. Sure. We're all the product of our experiences. And I don't think anybody's inherently good or inherently bad. And I, I think he probably doesn't think that much about what, you know, the, the people who he's taking money from. Got it. Uh, Okay. Um, oh, my! I, I have my sports betting goat of the year. Who is it? Calcutta Rufus. That was actually all three of our answers. We just felt bad. We didn't want to say it. Good. Uh, my sports betting, and and I had Jason Robinson just so just so he can make another appearance of the sports betting in in this podcast. Um, my sports winning MVP of the year was me because I'm 43 and 32 on Tony Kornheiser's show so far this, this year that I get to spread. It should be Tony for having you on his show. <laughs> he gets the credit. I mean, the other people that picked on that show are James Carville, Chuck Todd, and a monkey. So there you go. Ew. And I'm the only I want, I want to know the standings. I'm the only one over 500. Probably need to give a shout out to Pozzola's tortoise, by the way, for Ooh. winning a head-to-head a, a -head earlier this year as well. Bobby Pizza? Yeah. Uh, did you guys see him playing the succession theme on his guitar? That was that was the highlight. I did. Yeah, he plays guitar really well. We've talked a little bit on this side about writing music, just always too busy to do something, but maybe we will now. Ooh, All right, let's move on. Stanky's, to Stanky's cameos should, should be a potential for MVP. I don't know if you saw any of those. <laughs> he told me he, did, he only did them. He did yeah. them after he'd been drinking too. <laughs> Like, like the VSIN one? I saw some. No, no, the cameo, cam like the cameo.com. Oh, and got it. Like actual <laughs> Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a couple. <laughs> All right. They were hilarious. Let's move, Let's move on to predictions. And now you can check Spanky off your bingo card. Predict one champion in 2022. This is your stone cold lock. This person will, or player or team, will be a champion. Jeff at the Masters Calcutta. Oh my God! You just jinxed me. Jinxed it for sure. Jinx, you're just trying to jinx me. Really? Is that is that your prediction? Yes. Preston, what's your prediction? My Stone Cold Homer Lock Dodgers win the World Series. They're 
a decent favorite relative to the field and why not? It's not going to be the Lakers. That's for sure. Mine is mine was the Dodgers and then also John Rom to win some tournament. We said predict a champion. So he'll be a champion of something. Oh my God. Uh, Rufus, I'm you want to, I'm going to, I'm going to predict that Martin trainer won't win a tournament. Martin trainer. Who's that? No, he's the definite. Well, now he's below replacement level. I was just thinking of the worst golfer I could think of. Although he actually came, he missed like 26 straight cuts and then had the third round lead at a tournament this fall somehow after 26 like so. so so it's interesting though because like i i was thinking this through and like in previous years you might have said like lewis hamilton and actually when i we were talking about worst beats like i had the lewis hamilton bet and i lost that bet so i was kind of bummed about that and i, I consider that to be my worst beat who's lewis hamilton he's the f1 driver what's f1 yeah exactly rufus go, go on go to netflix i'm more into f2 yeah all right Move, move, move on. It's, it's a key on my computer. Computer, yeah, I knew you're going to go there. Uh, matchup in any sport that you would like to see in 2022. I, I have a really good one, and I'm not just saying. Like, I grew up a BYU fan, trying to root for them. The first season, I really got into college football. They made a run towards the BCS, sort of. It was a Gary Croton coach, Brandon Doman, Luke Staley. They were undefeated, like ten or eleven weeks in. Uh, probably, probably more than that. Actually, I think they were 10 and 0 or 11 and 0. And regardless, I've just always rooted for the underdog. It's the only chance these teams have ever had it basically be if there was a college football playoff one day. Sure enough, we have one now. And sure enough, we have a team like Cincinnati who's not in the Power Five that gets to compete against Alabama. Honestly, I think Alabama, since it's like Nick Saban, Alabama, they've been the best team of the last decade. They're coming off of beating who everyone thought was or still is the best team in the country in the SEC title. If Cincinnati beats Bama or is close, the people that say these non-power fives have no chance are just wrong and they can shut up forever. So I am rooting for Cincinnati majorly as a fan. Can't wait to see the matchup. Oh, I'm going to revise. In light of that, I'm going to revise my worst analytics take to – to be the Herb Street one on saying that now people can shut up because about the bias against group of five schools because Cincinnati made it. You're saying that was an all. Yeah, you're. He said that. Oh, there's no bias. Look, it's proof. Cincinnati made it. Well, yeah, and finally, because everyone else was bad enough. <laughs> like now, yeah. everybody can shut up about it. Um. So. Preston, technically that matchup's going to happen in 2021. So you want to see it happen again in 2022? You want you want them to run it back, basically? Is it not on January 1st? In my head, I thought it was on the 1st no, of the 31st. Nah. Well, then just cut me out of the pod. I don't deserve to be here. Rufus, do you have a matchup that you want to see? <laughs> no, I, I just thought of one, and I, I'm probably taking Jeff's, but the patriots Buck Super Bowl. I think that would be like make Jeff, Jeff's head explode. It, it wouldn't make my head explode because Tom Brady is dead to me. So it would. Um, if the, in the if, if the Patriots won, your head would get so big that it might explode. If the Patriots won a Super Bowl against the Bucks and Tom Brady, I get to see like sad Tom Brady, and I get to see like Belichick give Tom Brady a hug and Brady try to pull away, like he was. I mean, yes, that would make my head explode. I was trying to buy a Georgia hat the other day and they only had like smaller sizes than like large because I need an extra large because I got a big head. So if my head exploded, it'd be. We, we, we know you have a big head. Yeah. 
not just litter. Well, you have a small head. You have like a little pinhead. Do hats even? Do you have to wear youth hats, like children's hats? You know, when we oh, ordered hats. unabated hats, the choices were small, medium, and medium large, or small, medium, and large, extra large. Like it was two sizes: small slash medium, yeah. large size. I went with the small slash medium because I thought I'd be like medium, but it's like really, it's too tight actually. Oh, well, maybe you do have an adult size head. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, That's because I'm my matchup that following I'm in the footsteps of Barry Bonds and just building my head size. I, I want to see Bama, Georgia. I, I want to see a rematch. I mean, the, that idea of seeing that in the finals in the championship. No, be... you don't. You want Georgia and Cincinnati. Yeah, you want you want to cash oh, eight to one. Yeah, that is, you are full of shit. You want your Georgia. You want Georgia. <laughs> okay, fine, you're right. I want to see Georgia. <laughs> okay, I take it all back. Is there any other matchup that you guys want to see, like in other sports or like even like golf matchups that you want to see? Who, who would you want to see Ron play in a head-to-head in a version of the match? I don't know. I really, I don't, I don't, I don't care that much about the exhibition matches. I really you don't really care about sports. You just, no. they're all numbers to you. You don't know who any of the players are. I want a rematch against, or not a rematch. I want to, I want to play Jeff and golf again. We're going to do that. If I can take your money again. We're do that in, Jan- in January, 2022. Excellent. Uh, and Preston said he's going to golf with us one at a time. So I will, I will play one of the days for sure. I, it's been a few years, but I will give, give it a whirl. I haven't um, played Jeff so, since the last time we played. I don't th- No, no, I, that's false. No, I okay. have. Well, I played in November we're once. Get out there. All right. Well, we're going to get out there and I'll be fresher than you are. But my handicap is like slowly drifting up, which is not what I want. Um, is there, Preston, is there someone you would want the Dodgers to beat in the World Series? The Astros, maybe? The Astros, I guess, a little revenge there. Yeah, that'd be fine. I don't really have a particular team that I can write. You know what I would like to another one kind of along the lines of underdog. I still think Gonzaga. I mean, I think people, a lot of people have like come to the side of they're like probably legit, right? Like they've made a few deep runs, but there's still the people like, Oh, they've never won one. Like, why are they a one seed this year? I'd love to see Gonzaga play Baylor again. Cause they got throttled like from the get go. So the problem with the Baylor situation though, is they're not, they're not as good. But and they're not Gonzaga's still, not as good either. It's not the same teams. I just would like to see Gonzaga have be, another shot. It'd be nice to see the Gonzaga be a true blue blood, like a UNC or Duke or you know when they're at their their highest powers. So, anyways, it could happen. But yeah, I I got I just yeah go Cincinnati goes Gonzaga. Else, leave it at that. You're like a little guy. You're like the champion. Of just, little guy, I, you know what? I'll, I'll be completely honest. I was like I was like diehard. Like would get really upset, frustrated, like emotionally when BYU would lose. And I finally realized and maybe nine, 10 years ago now at this point that BYU just never has a shot to win anything. Why do I care so much? But so I found myself latching on to teams that like with a similar, like that underdog small chance, like doesn't get the respect team just because I love, you know, when they do have that shot. So yes, that's aren't it, you it a from that. and a Lakers fan. Yeah. Cause I grew up I mean, in LA, but, but right. just from like the, I guess it's more college based where I'm trying to really root for some crazy upset, but uh, I'm fine if the Dodgers win. Yes, of course. I always love the upsets. And I also don't root for any teams that ever have a chance to win. No. <laughs> All right. Um, what is our next one here? We best bold sports prediction. I uh, I'll probably still be fat, but the 
I mean, I can, I might, I'm going to say both of my rooting interests, you see that BYU make a sweet 16 run in March. I'm going to go with that. UCLA's more or less a favorite, probably BYU wouldn't be. So having them both make runs, it would be a, yeah. I mean, UCLA was preseason number two, right? Yeah, they're still a top 10 team. So they're going to be in the mix. I wouldn't call that bold. But combined with BYU, it's definitely a pretty good underdog. Mine, mine is that Mac Jones will have a better rookie year than Trevor Lawrence. Oh, wait, that's already happening. Uh, I think Mac Jones will have a better career than Trevor Lawrence. That's well, I my think he's pick. probably the favorite, too, at this point, right? Isn't he? Do you guys remember – were you guys on the podcast where I made the thought, the observation about Trevor Lawrence – and like the last two times we saw him play in big games, he's like overthrowing every wide receiver and accuracy is really important in the NFL. And people gave me shit and they were like, Oh yeah, you watch two football games. You make a decision on this guy. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember those I remember that game. <laughs> I mean, but it's, it's good, sort though. of true. He's not particularly accurate and that's a problem in the NFL, right? Like you're not throwing to like all, you know, pro pro prospect, you know, wide receivers in huge, like it's the Matt Liner thing, right? Like Matt Liner looked great when he was at USC throwing to these top tier receivers in these huge windows, but it becomes a lot different when, when those windows get a lot smaller. So Rufus, you have a bold sports prediction. I was trying to, I was looking at the official world golf rankings and trying to think of someone who I would just <coughs> would move way up or way down, but that's very difficult to do to make a guess. Um, I'll predict that both of my professional teams I root for will both have losing years, the Orioles and the Washington football team. Basically now until forever, so. Until the end of time. Yeah. These are not I, very... Hey, Jeff, no, Jeff can, not I a good say, can I say what I almost went with? What? And I want to get your reaction. Let's pretend I never said that BYU and UCLA will both go to the, at least the Sweet 16. Let's say, what if... It's a team that I believe is 16 and 19. Hasn't looked nearly as good as they have the last few years. Got rid of one of the best coaches of the last 20 years. Oh my God. What if I what if the Celtics actually made a run won the Eastern Conference? Just just like it's it's uh, not that crazy. Just I mean <laughs> I I can't take I I've never quit on a team in my life. Never. I've never gone to a point with a team like I, I, as a Boston fan, growing up a Boston fan, embrace losing, embrace misery, <laughs> embrace the idea that like you build character, as Rufus said, through adversity. And that's like the thing. This team and the amount of these like, you know, like Christmas Day, that game was just the perfect Celtics game. They go out there, yeah. they're playing great. They look great. And then with like 11, you know, with like whatever, six minutes left, they're up by 11. They almost didn't cover. Right. Yeah. And in that instance, I wasn't super unhappy because I had the Celtics in the game. I had the Bucks in the second half and I had the Bucks over per, per our resident genius, Preston. Um, so I, I want them all, but I mean, that those, but yes, fine. I'm in on that. <laughs> I just still there can't believe there I can't is. believe you said I'm a Boston sports fan. I've had all this adversity. Like growing you, up, are you kidding? Rufus, growing up, growing up, I did. Like 
you have to understand that. Wait, didn't the Patriots, the Patriots made a Super Bowl in the nineties? No, they, they, yeah, they made one in the eight, like in the nineties that I had though was heartbreak, right? Like the, the, this, the Red Sox, the Bucky dad, that, that, the, that was like heartbreak. Right. And there, there was some really bad heart. Yeah. Right. But the Red Sox were consistently like good still. Sure. If you were for good teams and weren't the Celtic, I mean, I don't know. Just the Celtics were good. Being like, an Orioles I, I, fan. I didn't grow up a Celtics fan, actually. I grew up a Lakers fan for whatever reason. And like, I okay, turned also a good team. Think right. about being an Orioles fan. Okay. Just never even really have a shot at the first place. Right. I mean, well, the Orioles were good for a while. Was, there were some years with hope, but a few. Didn't of them. you guys, you had like a play in game once where your run differential was like minus 100, but sometimes somehow you guys got into the playoff. Yeah. Plan, but I then mean, you lost the, the Orioles game. had a, the Orioles from 2012 to two. Maybe you had one series too. Yeah. They made it in 2012, 2014, 2016. And I went to all the playoff games because I lived through 1998 to 2011 every single year being a losing season. That was like, yeah. And then obviously being a fan of the Washington football team, um, they, they won the Super Bowl when I was in kindergarten. And, and that's how I actually became a fan because our teacher would sing to us the, the Redskins fight song. I can say Redskins because that's what it was at the time. Um, and so, but like I was six years old. I didn't, you know, I thought Daryl Green was the guy that brought the custodian that brought us milk because his name was Daryl. I was like, oh, he plays football too. That's cool. Because he was like, you got me thinking about this Celtics prediction now. Well, it's here's the thing. For one, they have like a positive point differential. They're one of the teams that have probably underachieved relative to that. It's super basic. They've had Jalen Brown missed a ton of time. They've had some COVID stuff with multiple players. And even though we think, and I think all everyone will agree, the downgrade from Brad Stevens is just like it is a downgrade. But they still have plenty of time to like get something together. They could make a move. They could, you know. You know, make a trade, but I mean, also just like sign, like pick up one of the waiver wire guys that, or buyout guys that always end up appearing on teams later in the season. It's, and here's the thing, Kyrie, who knows if he's even going to play Harden and Duran are getting hurt all the time. Like they could just get injured again and not really have a shot in the playoffs. The bucks look, Celtics actually match up fairly well with them as far as what they can do defensively. I mean, the team honestly, that I think they have trouble with this Philly because it would be because of MB that could be. And if Philly doesn't have Ben Simmons and it's just the team that it is right now, I think you could still theoretically beat him in a series though. It's not like it's not as far fetched. And look, the Cavs, they just lost Rubio for the season with his ACL tear, and they're never actually a contender. The Bulls are not actually a contender. The Celtics still have two players that theoretically are better than anyone on those two teams. So even though on the standings, they're rated higher and look higher, um, they're they're not that far off. It's it's the one I almost went with, but I didn't want to like butter you up either. So I switched. I'm, and I, but I did I'm it. Anyway. Celtics futures right now. Yeah, you probably should buy now after you guys just lost at home to. I don't even remember who it was, but you guys like, like the Clippers without like their first four starters or something. Yeah. We 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 have kind of a skeleton team right now too. Though. I'm missing Tatum and Spar, and we're missing a lot of guys today. Yeah. Okay. Uh, bold personal prediction. I'll go with mine. I have three. I will interrupt fewer in 2002 than I did in 2021. I will break 80 this year in golf, Rufus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no chance. <laughs> really? I've shot no, like a nine on, a, on a front nine or... Well, you I mean, you, sure. If you're, playing, if you're playing a par three course, I think you can do it. No, Rufus, I shot, I shot a 39 on, at, Ocean, at Ocean Course at Olympic Club. Okay. Were you playing the family tees? Now I really am going to 
now now I can't wait for our matchup against you. <laughs> okay, good. I might even bring my clubs this time. I'm ready Whoa. for it. Uh, uh, you know, always blame the equipment. I mean, and I will continue to own Rufus and golf. golf you're gonna, golf you know, it's if it's not the equipment, it's gonna be. Oh, I'm not used to these green types. I'm not used to, you know, white sand bunkers. Because <laughs> I because those words have ever come out of my mouth. No, well, no, it'll be like, oh, when when I was playing with Phil, he told me to do this and this and this. <laughs> He did. Phil fucked up my game for a while. Uh, what um, What are your per- bold personal predictions? Go for it, Rufus. Um, I don't know predictions, but things that I'm going to try to work on, I guess. Um, it mostly revolves around just keeping growing um, as a human being and being the best version of myself, staying present, which... I mean, I was going to say less stress in my life and staying present is a way to not be stressed and to be happy. Cause I really believe that if you're, if you're, if you're anxious, you're anxious because you're thinking about stuff in the future or the past and not in the moment. Um, radical yeah. honesty. I've been just, I've just, yeah, it's something my, my friend Kevin actually um, has, I don't want to say gone to this, but um I don't know. He and I were talking earlier this year and it's something that I've tried to adopt and just like, if you're just completely honest about everything and that includes about your, with yourself, like you really reduce the number of decisions, tough decisions you have to make. Um, do you, you think, know? Will have, do you think you will meet or hang out because that this would assume that you've already met the future Mrs. Peabody in 2022? You know, I, I, Jeff, I have no idea. And the thing is, um, that's, that's not my focus. My focus right now is, is just taking it day by day. I sound like an athlete now, you know, we're just going to, well, I left it know, we're on to Cincinnati like in your life already. Right. So it's, is it there, I, I didn't actually, well, know you never know. I mean, like there's, there's lots of people I've met. I'm just saying it could be somebody's. Sorry. No, I'm just leaving the door open. Uh, you know, but that like more meditation and more reading too. I think more, I, 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 you realize like prediction, is it, are these your resolutions versus a prediction? You, you, so you started with the resolution, didn't you? What, what was your first one? I will interrupt fewer. Yeah. So <laughs> that sounds like a resolution. So, so my resolution is I will, stay prediction. In the, my, my prediction is I will stay in the moment more. I'll be aspirational. I will be radically honest. I will read more. But what about a prediction for yourself? That's a prediction. What? What about a prediction for yourself? I don't know. Give, give, give me a good one. Um, you'll be plus. You'll be in the in the black in Calcutta's this year. Oh man, that I don't seems know. dude. I'm I'm getting PTSD just thinking about Calcutta's. Although, are we gonna do? I think we should do the uh, NFL playoff Calcutta starting next week, so we have the final week of the regular season again. So more teams are in it, and I think we should be more creative. We do live in Vegas. That's not a bad That'd idea. Fun. I think we should be more creative with our scoring because the whole everybody knew the value of all the teams, and especially now that you have like the unabated simulation thing, anybody can like you know use market ratings and figure out where everybody the value of everything. So it should be like you know the five hundred yard passer gets whatever I don't know more random stuff. 
So my prediction is we will have a Calcutta and I will not win all the money. Uh, Preston, what are your predictions? My, uh, my main one is that I won't be running numbers or updating a model for betting at all in 2022. Wow. Um, going out on top. I think, (laughs) no, I'm number three. You're, You're number two and someone else is number one, but it's just, uh, I've never actually felt overwhelmed before until the last like month of my life. And it's just like, it's going to be really pleasant not having to worry about daily betting, doing a daily show, uh, and just focusing on buying a professional sports team in England and trying to make our brand and the team as good as possible and uh, staying true to that and to everyone that believes in what we're doing there. So um, that is, I'm sure people ask me and like, I'll have thoughts and I'll be watching sports and following, but I'm just, yeah. You guys know, I clicked it back on for the holiday. Cause I actually had a day where I just sat and watched a bunch of NBA and hung with family and just ran some second halves for fun, but it just like, yeah, it's just not going to be. Hey, are you going to stop when you're on this heater right now? Yeah. Like a 12 and one run or something, but uh, yeah. Well, when once bowl games run out, I think that's it. That's a really, that's a, Great prediction and a great goal to say. I mean, because I'm not sure if it's a goal, really either. I just, I, right? I genuinely have felt like so. And honestly, let me be honest. I don't even know if people have made it this long because I know it's a long podcast. But it's been like it's it's weird. I got pretty emotional about this, kind of sensing it coming, maybe six to eight weeks back, because in, in Rufus had a similar vein kind of this year. It's just probably had similar sentiments, but like betting has been like my identity for so long, for like a decade and just like sensing it going away. Like it has, it's just like, it was really hard for me to actually grasp at first. And like part of me is super excited still, but part of me like is feels like I'm letting go of like a whole decade of like my prime, you know? And so it's, it's weird making that transition. So I'm not even sure if it's a goal, I guess. It's just like that, uh, the way to put it that way, it's like, I'm not like trying to on purpose or anything. It's just kind of where things have drifted and where my priorities are. So um, hopefully it means it's, you know, for the better, for my sake, everyone else's sake, my family. And uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that's one that'll, that'll end up holding true. Is it, is it liberating though? I mean, isn't it liberating to like, just be like, I don't have to do this. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah, it, it's hard to say. I disagree that it isn't because it's, especially when it, I don't know, it, you hate to call it a chore because you're so blessed to say like you, you bet on sports for a living, but it kind of be, starts feeling like a chore sometimes. And at least maybe more so for me than say Rufus, because I'm like trying to talk with people about betting daily. Um, a lot of the time on in media and stuff. And that really felt like a chore. Or I feel like I have this necessity to answer every DM or every tweet notification who has a question about betting. Cause that's something I like, was, you know, stayed true to for so long and wanted to make that a part of my like image that I was out to just help anyone that ever asked questions about stuff. Now, like I can just kind of be like, you know, I'm not even, someone asked me a question today about college basketball and how I'm handling COVID and stuff. And I was like, honestly, I haven't bet any college basketball at all this year. So uh, I haven't been dealing with it at all. And that was to be frank. Yeah. Kind of liberating. So I think I'll appreciate like the refre- the refresh, so to speak on that sense, because um, it did kind of just get, mundane and it felt like a chore at times and uh i'm sure now like when i will have action on stuff it'll feel amazing like just to have bets for fun and whatnot it'll be like a completely different uh feeling 
I get that. It feels like a chore for me, but a chore that I compulsively still have to do. Right. Like, I, I, why, I mean, that's part of the reason you probably did like unabated and you've, you know, dove into some other things as well on the side. Like it, I'm sure it's all kind of correlated to similarly. Although I will say you've, you've encouraged me to add a new resolution, which is say no to more things. I think that's so important because I've gotten in the last year and a half overwhelmed just because I've said yes to too many things. Mm -hmm. So like, if you guys think about this from a macro perspective, right? Like these, like you guys are both, I don't want to say phasing out, but like your, your sport, like all three of us in some respects, right. I've kind of talked a little bit about phasing out the grind of sports betting. Is it, what's the reason? Is it just the phase in our lives and like, we'll be replaced by a bunch of younger, hungrier people that are all about it? Or is it, is it just, you know, what do you guys think? It's, it's, it's on my path to enlightenment, Jeff. Are, are we all just unique snowflakes that just have reached different points in our lives? But I don't, you know, next June when I tweet out, I have achieved enlightenment, <laughs> you'll know how I got there. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it took less than like three sentences for me to get me back on the Celtics bandwagon. So it's, I, I don't know. No, sorry. No, it's, it's, um, I don't know, man, because like, you're like the, you know, if I'm not doing the grind of betting though, it's like, as I said, I'm not, I don't really enjoy managing people and sort of the, that kind of role. I don't, I'm not, that's not my strength. So it's like, well, what would I be and What am I going to be in betting if I'm not actually doing stuff myself? Can I add one thing? I think it's, it's, it's a very, at least for me too, um, it's going to come off to a lot of people, a convenient way to get out of like admitting that I've lost my edge, which I definitely will admit I have in the NFL and in baseball. And I didn't even bother with baseball this last year and NFL. I've basically just been more or less break even or a slight winner for like the last three or four seasons. Um, NBA and college football have been, have been good, but like it kind of, so part of me feels like to answer or at least allude to Jeff's question, this last one, is like we all just coincidentally are kind of hitting this phasing out point. I think I kind of was sensing that I needed to do other stuff anyway too, particularly at the beginning of the year. Um, and like doing media and sports betting, if you're not actually betting, which we've talked about that plenty, just that just doesn't seem right anyway. Uh, so for like, which is like 90 plus percent of the media doing betting content, they're not actually betting much on games. So if I was like, really diving into NFL and baseball on TV or something. And I'm not even like admitting that I have an edge there anymore. It just doesn't really line up with what I wanted to like portray. So um, I think definitely lost my edge over the last decade in some sports and leagues still have some in, in some, but it's like, I kind of felt like I needed to make a, a switch in the end either way, just because it's just a matter of time, probably before my MBA is no good in two or three or more years or whatever it may be. So I was kind of trying to get out ahead, I guess, to some degree. Um, and rather than just being some media guy forever, it just made sense to, to try some other stuff out. But Preston, who cares if people think that you're getting out conveniently because you lost your edge, right? I mean, like, I think that's the... Well, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm like pretty insecure, actually, in general, especially because like early on, I was sling picks and everyone hated me and blah, 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 blah. And I just like would always react. And so um, I know you've gotten better at just disregarding that sentiment. I just genuinely will admit, I think 
it kind of is like a half convenience where I can make the transition and it feels like I'm coming out on top when in reality, uh, like I didn't run college basketball this year, NFL just in, in baseball, haven't been uh, profitable for a few years. So it's, uh, yeah, it kind of is what it is. It's kind of luckily NBA and college football were good this year and just kind of worked out that it felt like I was going out on top in that sense, but it's totally, I think fine to admit that to some degree, it kind of sounds like a convenient excuse because I think part of me uh, admits that it is. So that, that's all I guess I was. I, I think all you can do is be honest with yourself. And I think you just were honest yeah. with yourself, which is like, and so if you're honest with yourself, then what, what is, what's that's a fair, yeah, yeah. You've talked about that on Twitter before, actually, if you're being honest with yourself, either way, who cares what other people think? Yeah. Right. Literally. Right. I think my biggest, I, I think the thing that's probably been the best for my happiness this year has been the fact that like, I've lost the urge to like, normally if you're, if I'm criticized, my initial urge is just to be like, no, you're wrong. Right. And to mm-hmm. argue with it. I've just like been, I've lost that. I've, I've managed to shed that sort of instinct to like get, Oh, you know, th- where, where I get, feel that sort of tension and like anger or not anger, but for, you know, whatever, where I feel like, Oh, I have to defend myself. And I yep. think, cause it's like, I don't know. It's. I, I have a question. I know where this is going so long, but I have one more question then to, to respond to that. How, how did you get to the point where, cause I still, I, I feel, I, I think I still struggle with that. If someone came at me right now, I'd be like, let's go head to head million dollars. I'll ask girl first. What, what, what got you to the point where you could just disregard it and it literally had no effect on your mindset or what was that point? I think it's, I mean, like when, or just, yeah. When slash what was it you think, or was it just a progress or a progressive thing? I think it's the self-acceptance thing, which has come from the, the notion that like, I know, like, I'm not going to be the second best golf better in the world for forever no matter, right? Like it's inevitable that I'm going to lose that. So like if I tie my identity to that, then I'm kind of pointless. Kind of okay. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm kind okay. of fucked. So it's like, it's like, I might as well get ahead of this. And so that's sort of the whole notion that I can, you know, like, I don't want to be remembered for being a great better or whatever. I want to be remembered for like the person I am and the relationships I have with my friends and family and all that stuff. I want to be remembered by those people more. And so that matters more. So in a way it's like saying this shit doesn't matter as much, but it's also accepting. I'm like, if I, it's this whole ex- being honest with myself, if I'm honest with myself and I accept my flaws and weaknesses, then like literally no- nobody can hurt me. Like nothing someone says can actually hurt me because I'm already, I already know if it's something you know, if they say, Oh, Rufus who has ADHD and like, can't, you know, <laughs> hold a thought, save his life i'm like yep pretty true (laughs) i'm like yeah "Yeah, exactly like you know i i go off on a tangent that's you know that's that's me and you know maybe i want to get better at being organized my thoughts but i know that so i don't know i think you you got that version of my answer too right (laughs) where i sort of answered the question sure all right let's let's let let people go to bed (laughs) meaning myself you you have to go to bed yeah yeah thanks for joining us happy new year everybody Happy New yeah. Year. Love you guys. Mwah. Love love everyone that listens to Thank you for Austin. Thank you for a great year. Thank you for listening to us, all seven of you, for a whole year. No one made it through. And the people that made it through, your reward is that we will all be in Vegas next weekend. So come visit us. Come find us. Yes. And Jeff, will we will you actually like will we actually hang out with people next weekend? If they're there. Okay. Everyone's worried about Omicron though, so I don't know if people will be there. You just got a triple mask. There you triple go. vax, triple mask. We're looking for the 
Alright, see you guys all in Vegas next weekend.